Hello. Welcome to the Valley View Podcast, episode 70. As always, my name is Tyler. I'm here with Matt. And Matt, do you have anything special that you want to talk about right at the beginning that you didn't tell me about? I do. Of course you do. This is becoming part of your thing now. Um, I thought it was time to maybe just do a, uh, just have a social media check-in Okay. and, uh, just ask Tyler, uh, and he, he can ask me too. Like it's accountability time on the, the Valley View podcast. Okay. This is our accountability group with us and 30 of our closest friends. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just tell us, how are you feeling lately about your use of social media? Like, uh, do you feel like the time spent is appropriate? Do you feel like content is appropriate? Any regrets? Just tell us how you're feeling. I feel fine. I don't really have any strong feelings. I don't use social media that much. I mean, if you count, so if you count, so all of the normal social medias, I don't use much. I don't use Snapchat very much. I don't use Instagram very much. I don't use Facebook really at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that kind of qualifies as social media that I use is called Reddit. It's like a news website that has a very robust comment section. Mm-hmm. So like you, you can look at the articles or look at the like memes or look at the news, but then there's also, yeah, you can read the comments and it's usually funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I use that a decent amount, but I mean, lately I've just been too busy to use it a lot. So whether I want to or not, I have been pretty responsible with my social media. I do watch a lot of YouTube when I have free time, but how about you? How's your social media usage? Um, probably more than I would like it to be. I think I have a pretty tender conscience when it comes to uh, social media. Oh, I also don't have a tender conscience about social media. I, I disagree with, I don't know. <laughs> I think that, um, I think that social media can be abused, but some people act like if you use social media for more than a few minutes, you're like, mm-hmm. you've, you've gravely sinned. And I don't feel like that. Does it make you frustrated or upset when you hear like someone preaching against the ills of social media and like you like you you know always battering on the pinata of social media does that make you frustrated and upset or do you feel like that's a legitimate thing that like yeah we we probably do need to be reminded a lot that um it's a it's a fire which can be used for good or or for bad i don't know i mean i think it is kind of easy like i think it's like an easy punching bag you know, because there it are totally like because there are yeah. problems with it, yeah. And like, yeah. Ev- like everyone agrees that it can be abused and used too much. And we see people who do nothing with their lives except for go to work or go to school and then go home and play on their phones until they go to bed and they do the same thing the next day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there are issues with it, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I do think it's a little bit of an easy. Mm-hmm. Like, look how bad this thing is. Look, look, yeah. look, it's bad. Look. <laughs> right. Okay. Anything else you want to be held accountable for? Um. I mean, sure, maybe not on the podcast, but <laughs> do we have a sponsor today, Matt? We do, yeah. Um, thank you to Blue Cactus Bowling and More in Prior Lake. Oh, why is it called Blue Cactus? I don't know. That's something that you would have to ask the owner. Mr. Blue himself? <laughs> Blue Cactus Bowling and More in Prior Lake. Uh, if fun is on your mind, we should be on your schedule. That's a good tagline. <laughs> You wrote up a really good is tagline it? this week. If fun is on your mind, we should be on your schedule. That's yeah. super good. You think so? You don't think that's do. cheesy? No, I love that. Okay. It's unique. If fun is on your mind, we should be on your schedule. I think that's one of the best taglines I've ever heard. Like, I'm not being sarcastic. I really like that. Wow. Okay. I mean, I wish I could take credit for it. <laughs> I mean, you could. <laughs> Blue, uh, Blue Cactus Bowling and More has nine full-sized lanes 
plus 6,000 square feet of laser tag courses. 6,000 square wow. feet. 6,000. Uh, I wonder how many courses that is in that 6,000 square feet. What if it's like, what if it's like tiny courses? Like there's, <laughs> there's like 600 courses that are all like 10 feet wide. <laughs> you know what my favorite laser tag course laser is? Laser tag rooms. Is, yeah. Is, uh, I like the Wild West laser tag course. You ever done oh. those? It's like a I've covered wagon. Huh. It's like barrels to hide behind. I feel like I've only really done like black light laser tag. Oh, okay. Well, mm. maybe give Blue Cactus a shot. Might have to, honestly. Um, they've got 18 holes of adventure mini golf. Love mini golf. This is like the most compelling ad read we've had in a while. I love <laughs> this mini golf. This place sounds great. Uh, they have a tea room. Oh. Hmm. That's kind of unusual. An escape... For the parents. For the parents. <laughs> a tea room, an escape room, a ballroom. That sounds fun. And a practice room for piano. Wow, they got something for that, everyone. That yeah, that sounds like they got down. They had more square footage. They knew what to do with, and they're like, "This is a tiny room. Let's just make it a piano practice room." But it's great because it's good for kids of all like all interests. You know, like if you have a, a a sporty son who wants to just throw a bunch of balls, you put him in the ballroom. <laughs> if you have a daughter who wants to have tea, she's got a place to go as well. Yeah, and then you can go mini golf while they do that. Yeah, right. There's a place for grandma, tea room, little. Okay, all right. Um. Our Penny Arcade features skee-ball and whack-a-mole. Cool. We have a trampoline and a foosball table. Uh, roller skating is just $2 on Tuesday nights from 5 to 7. Hmm. Trampoline. That one's interesting. Yeah. And a... I'm envisioning like a backyard trampoline, not like a trampoline park. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, roller skate. I, wow. Uh, this is a lot more than bowling. Yeah, well, it's called bowling and more. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Hungry? Grab a cactus burger or a needle dog. A needle dog. <laughs> Do you think that's a, that must be a play on like cactus, like the needles? Yeah. But a needle dog? I don't mind that. <laughs> okay. I don't know. They really got me with the tagline. I'm all in. I'm a believer. <laughs> Our cooks have experience in camp cooking and hotel cooking. <laughs> okay, I'm, getting off, I'm getting off the train now. <laughs> Call for birthday party, uh, reservations, staff party, or anniversary. Mention this ad and receive 10% off your next booking. Blue Cactus Bowling and, and more in Prior Lake. Turn up the fun. <laughs> that was a longer pause than we normally have, but I was just reflecting. Uh, if fun is on your mind they should be on your it, it, that really gets me on the train like i'm i almost jumped off with the whole i just wouldn't order food there i don't want <laughs> camp and hotel food at my uh at my bowling and more but you know um thank you blue cactus um sponsor of the 70th episode of the valid you i will say one of the most engaging ad reads we've had so that's cool that's awesome what thanks, are we talking thanks. about this week now that we've thanks. vamped for like seven and a half minutes well, of this podcast we're, we're getting towards the end of uh, the New Testament series. Okay, only two weeks after this. Yeah. So we've got third John today and mm -hmm. then just two books after that. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, some pretty, some pretty compelling I'm discussion, right? Jude and, and Revelation. Mm -hmm. um, so third John today. I'm really then, excited to talk about Jude. <laughs> so that'll be next time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Jude next time. That will be exciting. Um, there's some really interesting statements in the book of Jude. Aren't there? Yeah. But that's the body, not today. The whole body, the body of Moses. Third John's um, today. Don't spoil. Third Jude. John's <laughs> today. Okay. All right. Well, we'll stick to stick to the lane that we're in today. 
And um, the topic of the day is organization. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, I'll, I'll kick this off by saying that um, when I've done premarital counseling for couples, I have them take an online assessment and uh, there's um, a series of questions that kind of gauges their level of organization. And then it graphs, there's like a bar graph that shows like where the husband is at and where the wife is at regarding yeah. organization. And most of the time, what, what do you think happens most of the time? So I've probably done 20, 20 couples. So Dang. that's, that's the, that's like the, you're a popular guy. You married off a lot of people. <laughs> that's the, so that's the sample size, right? There are about 20 couples. So I, I feel like I can make a few generalizations. What do you think usually happens on that bar graph? I would wager that in at least 75% of cases, the woman is more organized than the man. Yeah, you're exactly right. And it's like not even close, Yeah, like way more or like her bar graph is like at the almost near the top and the guys is like, you got to get out your magnifying glass to yeah. find mm-hmm. uh, if the bar even goes up a little bit, Yep, you know, so that can be kind of funny to talk about that. Um, what about you? Do you feel like, uh, well, how high up would your bar go, Tyler, on the organization scale? <clears throat> um, higher than the average man, lower than the average woman. Very good. For a, okay. for a guy, I'm pretty organized. But on so, the scale of everyone in the world. Uh, not sure? No, just just average. Like average. Not. Okay. Well, I put, I put together uh, a little uh, quiz for you mm-hmm. to help us as Valley View Nation like uh know just how organized you are okay. to be able to give you a, a rating would you consider okay. yourself organized yeah yeah i think yeah, you're definitely think so. more organized than me i think so yeah okay well, we can talk more about that here's your quiz tyler to see how organized you are uh question number one this is regarding your socks mm. are they all thrown into the drawer together like separate or are they paired off so that all you have to do is like go to your sock drawer or shelf and like grab a pair, which is already residing together. Mm -hmm. Um, I pair them off and then there are inevitably singles whose pairs walked away. And so then I just throw those singles in. Okay. So the ones that I Uh can pair out of the load, I pair, but if I can't pair them, I'm not, I'm not doing anything about that. They're just going in alone. How do you pair your socks? You know, if, if they're longer socks, you know, you can kind of roll them up together in a ball can do that with all of them it's so is that what you do yeah i just put them next to each other and then flip them up yeah okay easy all right nice so listeners that's see organized there you go okay well we'll take the next step question number two do you know where your social security card is yes where is it it's at my parents house I wondered if you would say that. Yeah. I kind of thought that it would be there. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm in, in a transient stage of life right now, you know, like yeah, living in an apartment, like I'm moving around. Mm-hmm. Like my parents are still for some of my, like for some cards and like some, some things I sign up for, I still put my, my parents addresses, my home address, mm-hmm. just because like, as I move around in the stage of life that they are staying in the same place. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like your parents' house is the safest place for your social security card right now? Yeah. Because they have a fireproof lockbox and I don't. I mean, that's where it's in like a fireproof lockbox. So that's awesome. Um, anything you want to say to your parents right now? No, I'm not mentioning either of my parents specifically. <laughs> okay. Uh, question number three. Does it bother you if stuff on your desk is unorganized? And what I mean by that is like, 
you got stuff like sitting at odd angle. What if there's stuff like sitting at odd angles on your desk, like not at a right angle to one of the edges, uh, papers like in no discernible piles, uh, stuff hanging off the side, maybe. Uh, does that bother you? Or are you really okay with that? So Matt, take a look at my desk. Okay. Do you think it bothers me if things are not perfectly organized? No. No, it doesn't. I, the, but the, oh, go ahead. But I mean, so for the, for those listening that can't, you know, you can't see the desk. I can, it's actually a pretty organized desk. Yeah. Well, and this again is exactly what I'm saying. Like I, I would say if you put all of the pastors in a room and looked at all of their desks, mine mm-hmm. would be on the more organized end, mm-hmm. but not the top end. Right. Probably <laughs> like, not. There's not, I mean, I don't like to have miscellaneous, like I'll, I'll just throw things away or mm-hmm. put them somewhere else if there's mm-hmm. no purpose for them being there anymore. Mm-hmm. But if uh, there's a purpose for the thing being on my desk, I don't really care if it's like sitting properly. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I would never really characterize myself as clean, but I would also say I typically know where everything is, if yeah, that makes sense. It does. And sometimes people say that as a coping mechanism, like, oh, I know where everything is. And they don't really, uh-huh. but like, I think I, I mean, you can name something that I should have in my office and I would know where to find it. Yeah. Um, so the Kleenex box is sitting at kind of a strange angle, but that might be because I just grabbed the Kleenex out of there. Is and it maybe, empty? Maybe did I you did get the last one? No, I it's, it's so. almost empty. It's almost empty. That's yeah. how they get really light when they're empty, don't mm-hmm. they? They're yeah. more liable to fly around. Anyways, moving on. Sit in a weird place. <laughs> um, I see a few pieces of paper that are sitting at odd angles and not laying down like they should, but. Like um, they should. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, overall, I'm, I'm going to give you like a, a solid B on the organization. Yeah, that's all I'm desk. looking for. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, my, uh, my pen holder, I actually have a normal pen holder, but my, my normal pen holder is uh, two rolls of duct tape stacked on top of each other with the pens inside of the middle of the duct tape. How about very, this? Very youth pastor of me. <clears throat> Does other people's disorganization ever bother you? Um, I would, it's hard to say never, but I would say typically not. And not to like out my wife, but, but I think that we would both agree that I am, we meaning me and Emily would agree that I'm slightly more organized than her, but I'm not bothered by the difference. And, and like in college, my roommate was way less organized than me. Like he would just, like his laundry would just be on the floor. Like he would just come in with clean laundry and dump it on the floor and then wear it out of the pile on the floor. And like, I don't care. So I, I hesitate to say never. Cause I'm sure like, like if I, if I need somebody for something and I'm trying to get something done quickly and the person just is so disorganized, they can't find it, then that would bother me. Mm-hmm. But I would say on a day-to-day basis, I'm not bothered by disorganization. What would you say to the person that says, um, to be more organized is to be more like, is to be more godly. Because, hey, you look at the scriptures, God is a God of order and, um, you know, not a God of chaos. And so the more orderly your life is, the more godly you are. What would you say to someone making that argument? I would say, yeah, I see what you're saying. And in my head, I would think, yeah, might be over-spiritualizing that a little bit. (laughs) But I do, I I do understand that point, you know, like I'm not, I'm not faulting the point. Right. I'm not sure how I feel about that point. I think my reaction would be the same as you. Seems like an over spiritualization. Yeah, like I like I get it. I I'm not sure if I feel it as strongly as that person feels it. Mm -hmm. To the yeah, I don't know. Seems like more of a personality thing to me. Yeah, that's true because for somebody who's hyper organized or very organized Mm -hmm. to have their desk like mine might be an indication 
that they're being lazy or and for them yeah it might be like a like a, a sinful thing mm-hmm. but for me like this level of organization i think is me being organized mm-hmm. you know like like i said like knowing where things are and being able to access them in a timely manner like i i think that's a way like i think that's how i'm honoring god with my organization mm-hmm. you know but if someone accuses me and says that this is not organized enough and i would be more godly if i was more organized i would say <laughs> yeah maybe you're right i might not change but maybe you're right <laughs> Okay. Where do you want to go next? Uh, what do you want to know about organization? Uh, how often do you clean your room? Um, never. Never? <clears throat> no. D- does anybody clean your room? Uh, no. So it just never gets messy. Right. Ah, okay. When you were a kid, how often did you clean your room? Um, once, like once a week. And okay. once a week, my mom made us. There we go. Okay. Truth yeah. comes out. Yeah. She made us, uh, she called it stacking our room. We had huh. to like take everything off the floor and put it on our bed. Interesting. And so we could vacuum. Yeah. And then we got to put everything back. Oh, so you weren't actually cleaning. <clears throat> you were just vacuuming. Well, vacuuming is cleaning, right? Yeah. But when I think cleaning, I think like picking up. Ah, okay. So that was part you of the You were picking problem. up and then putting back down. Well, we, yeah, but if we picked up stuff that shouldn't have been on the floor, we didn't like return it to the floor. Oh, it, like went back okay. in the closet, okay. whatever. So you like pick up your so room, was picking up, and then stack like uh, the hamper, the, ch- the chair, anything that like is typically on the floor. Just get it up off the floor so you can vacuum around it. Okay, that makes more sense. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I guess it was like forced cleanliness. Yeah, forced organization. When did the transition happen? Like, did you have a time when you were mm. not told to clean and were very messy and then you became clean? Or mm. did you go from being forced to be clean to just being clean? That's a great question. Um, I don't know. I don't mm. know the answer to that. It, it, uh, it happened somewhere out there between age 17 and 25. You got married at 25? Uh, 24. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 20, 25 was just chosen at, at random. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I had a process. Where when I was a kid, well, I mean, I think even when I was a kid, I still knew where everything was. Uh-huh. But in terms of like doing like cleaning, like keeping like keeping things clean, mm-hmm. that was a that was a process that I went through in college. Because mm-hmm. my freshman year, nobody, no, I had two roommates, and none of us cared. Mm. So our room was disgusting, and it didn't matter. And then the next year, one of my roommates cared, so we had a cleaning schedule, and that was fine. So, so Tyler, uh, I'm. I'm sitting with you here. You're a pastor. Um, I just wondered if you could put yourself in the position of um, a pastor doing premarital counseling and you're looking at a couple where one of them is really organized and the other one is really unorganized. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're looking at the results of their assessment. What, um, what counsel would you give to both individuals um, if they're going to have a successful marriage here? <laughs> okay. Like I probably wouldn't say it like this, but what I would want to say <laughs> is tell the unorganized person you need to be more organized. It's a good life skill and it will help your wife love you more. Um, and I would tell- so, you're, so you're assuming that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and I would, and I would tell the woman or the, the, the one who's more organized, I would try to have grace because he's not doing this on purpose. Mm. Like he's not, he's not being disorganized because he hates you. It's uh-huh. just inherent within him to not be organized. So on the one end, have grace on the other end, like, try to uh-huh. i mean i guess it is having grace like being more organized can be having grace as well yeah but yeah i mean like try to hopefully try to counsel them more towards the middle like a, a place of understanding yeah do you think love obligates you to move toward the middle whichever place you are 
in terms of like, uh, if you're the unorganized person, does love obligate you to become a little more organized for the benefit of your spouse? And then on the other side, if you're highly organized, does love obligate you not to become a slob or become moved in the middle, but to be more understanding and, le- and more okay with a little bit of disorganization? Yeah, I don't know if I love the word obligate, but it's probably the right word. Mm-hmm. I mean, just in, in terms of practice, you know, like, yeah, if you don't want to have marital conflict and you're disorganized, it's going to be good if you become more organized or at least try to be a little bit more organized. And if you're really organized, it is going to take some grace. Yeah. So, uh-huh. yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, what do you counsel them? Um, I usually don't counsel them in any particular direction. It's more like, hey, have you recognized about have you recognized this about yourselves? Like, does this bar graph we're looking at this? Does this reflect reality? Yeah. Like, is that you, surprising? Yeah, or exactly that? Yeah. That's usually the question. Like, does this surprise you, or do you feel like this is an accurate picture? And you know, almost always, it's like, oh yeah, this is totally accurate. We know. Yeah, and then it's, it's like good. This. Yeah, yeah. At least that, like, they've come to that. Yeah, yeah. It's the awareness that, oh yeah, this is who this person is, mm-hmm. and they're not gonna stop. You're not gonna fix them when they get married. <laughs> no, and at that point, they just they love each other anyway, or they mm-hmm. profess love for each other because usually no one's going to get in front of them and say, you know, anything, anything negative, anything to convince them that they don't love each other and want to get married. Right. Well, and like, that's kind of a, that would be an interesting, like you guys are too, like you're too organized and you're too unorganized. You shouldn't be married because of your organizational difference. <laughs> like I, I would, I would be surprised if like, I feel like more than half of couples mm-hmm. that stay married have trouble with organization. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, that's not one of the biggies. Um, there's a lot of other assessments on this that are much more important. I think, mm-hmm. you know, like the, uh, the whole introvert extrovert thing is part of it too. Like there's a, a graph that measures how social you are. And mm-hmm. sometimes those are way out of whack. Yeah. Like one person loves to be out with people. And the other person totally would rather stay at home. I think a lot of so, times opposites attract in that case. Yeah, like I, I, I think so. Yeah. I think an interesting thing about Molly and I is I think we are much more the same than we are different. So in our, in, in our case, at least, I don't think it's so much opposite to tract as it's um, like we're, we're, we're a lot the same in terms of sameness attracts in, in terms of social battery. Emily and I are very similar. Mm. Like we're both, we, we're both a little more outgoing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah. That's good to hear. Mm. Uh, okay. Should we talk about third John? I suppose. So this is uh the third of John's three epistles, right? Her letters. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, who's John? Yeah. Well, okay. Tyler, tell us a little bit about authorship in third John. <laughs> you brought this up to me earlier today. Tyler's done much more reading on this than I have. So. Um, okay. We're going to get nerdy for a second. I, yeah. I asked, I asked Matt about this yesterday and he was not, I, I'm I, sure you've heard it before, but you weren't like, currently read on it no i was not ready to engage at a deep level on this question yeah so basically um the book of john like the gospel of john most people would agree well yeah the 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 majority of conservative scholarship would say that that was written by the apostle john like john Mm -hmm. like the son of zebedee one of the sons of thunder um first second and third john especially second and third john and then this kind of bleeds into revelation as well um there's a little bit more discussion about which John wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, like most would agree that it was a guy named John, but there's two different Johns that it gets attributed to. One is again, John, the apostle. 
Um, these books were written pretty late. So John would be really, really old, probably the last apostle alive at the time of these being written. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's also this dude, his name was Papias. Um, and in a letter that he's writing, we, we only have fragments of his works, but in one of his fragments, he mentions John the apostle and then the elder John, like back to back, like right next to each other. And so a lot of people have read that letter, like that fragment of Papias, and then come to second and third John and seen that they're written by the elder and that they're attributed to John and taken the opinion that second and third John were written by the elder John mm -hmm. rather than John the apostle. Mm -hmm. um, and then some of them have applied that to revelation as well. Mm -hmm. um, there's your biblical authorship nerdiness of the day. Yeah. Um, I, for my part, I don't, I'm not quite as convinced that the elder John and the apostle John have to be different people because they're mentioned close to each other in Papias. Like mm -hmm. if John, I mean, Papias probably learned under the apostle John and John was probably old. Mm -hmm. So I would have to look at the Greek, but you know, there's the rabbit hole. Yeah. When, uh, when the whole authorship subject comes up for books of the Bible and, uh, you know, scholars are trying to decide scholars and students both are trying to decide, you know, did this person write this particular book? One of the criteria that they will go to a lot of times is, um, for one point of criteria is writing style and vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And this argument gets used uh, for and against Paul a lot, like mm -hmm. for his authorship of different books and how well the vocabulary matches uh, books that we know for sure that Paul wrote or letters. Um, what do you think about, so this is, I'm just putting you on the spot here. Like John's writing is pretty distinctive, <laughs> yeah. you know, so got like gospel of John. And I think first John, Mm -hmm. share a lot of the same themes and vocabulary mm -hmm. second and third john uh not not as much in my view but what uh, but they're also a lot shorter so you know first john is five chapters and the gospel of john is 21 these are only like 15 verses each mm -hmm. so i don't know what do you have a view on that whether you think the vocabulary and the style that's interesting it sends you one direction or the other i mean that's funny that you say that um you don't see the vocabularies matching up because I'm my mm -hmm. initial reaction is that it seems like to me that they do. Mm -hmm. I mean, in, in second John, you have similar to first John talking about the antichrist mm -hmm. and in second and third John, both you have him talking about truth and love a lot, which is like the, the two main themes of first John. Mm -hmm. So I, I would almost take the perspective that whoever wrote first John probably also wrote second and third John, mm -hmm. which would also lead me towards John, the apostle. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And, and, well, and sorry, and and the Greek is rel like easier, like like mm -hmm. easier to read Greek, which is similar to the Gospel of John as well. Mm -hmm. We talked about that, I think, when we talked about First John. Yeah, that if you're learning Greek, you'll probably start on one of the yeah. Johns because it's easier Greek. Yeah, it's a great point. And then the question becomes: um, Could it be a different author who has just obviously learned a lot from John and is writing on much the same themes, right. same themes, and kind of in the same way? And then and then the question of does it matter right you know, in, in the end does it matter if the apostle john wrote this or someone he discipled um if we view the whole scripture as the inspired word of god even if we don't know who wrote it like the book right. of hebrews well because right. there's two i mean the, there's the two th two things come to my mind when i think about like does it matter right because on the one hand so when we talked about i think second peter we talked about how it would be a little concerning if somebody who's not peter wrote it because it becomes mm -hmm. like it becomes deceptive you know mm -hmm. like is like 
yeah. if somebody wrote it in Peter's name, that's that seems to us to be a deceptive thing. So that might be an issue for, you mm-hmm. know, the, the like goodness and like honesty. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I am not bothered by that with second and third John or Revelation, specifically second and third John, um, but also Revelation, because if it's written by the elder John, not John the apostle, it says that it's from the elder and it's attributed to John. And like revelation is like the the revelation of Jesus Christ, which was given to his servant, John, Yeah, you know? So just because we're, if, if it is the elder John, not the apostle John, and we're attributing it to the wrong John, like that's our fault. That doesn't mean that he's being deceptive because we don't know who he is. (laughs) Um, the, the other thing that I think about is like one of the, one of the like distinguishing marks of biblically inspired literature was like the influence of an apostle on it. Mm -hmm. And the elder John, if it's not John, the apostle, wasn't an apostle mm-hmm. so that's like an interesting question to think about mm-hmm. but yeah i mean it, it i mean it does come back to the fact that when they were putting the bible together like at nicaea they like you know canonizing like deciding like these are the books in the bible it wasn't really them just picking and choosing it was them recognizing the books that had had authority for 300 years already or mm-hmm. 200 years already mm-hmm. so yeah. it, you know just because apostolic authority was true of almost all of the books and i mean i would probably say all of the books doesn't mean that um it doesn't mean that god couldn't have inspired something written by the elder john right yeah good point but we've only got just a few seconds left um what would you say is distinctive about third john like you're going to teach on this book uh this weekend people listening i've already taught about it okay okay but i'm going yeah because this is coming out next week so like one one two three four words about what's distinctive about third john uh welcome missionaries that are good like okay to to say for 15 seconds more about that second and third john kind of bounce each other out second john is talking about how missionaries that are like that are preaching heretically about christ should not be welcomed like you should not give them any credibility should not prop them up Mm. because you'll make the message of christ look bad Mm. third john is like bouncing that and saying okay but if a missionary is from god you should help them like if if they're preaching truly about Christ, then you should support them because it's good for church unity and it, it helps the message of Christ be spread. It, it all comes out of, I think, this weird time in history that these books were written in. Like I said, they're a little bit later than some of the other New Testament books. Mm. They were written at a time where the apostles were dying out. I mean, at most, one of them is still alive. Mm-hmm. And during the apostolic age, the wandering apostles were like your ultimate authority. You know, like God was your authority speaking through these apostles. And now at this time, it's transitioning from that structure into like the church structure that we know today. Right. So it's this weird time of like, okay, do these wandering missionaries who aren't apostles, but are still preaching the truth, like, are they our authority or are church leaders our authority? And it led to these issues that come up in second and third John. That is so helpful. Thank you for explaining that to us, how, especially how they balance each other out yeah. in that way. That's really helpful. Thanks, next, Tyler. Next week we'll talk about Jude uh, and something else. Yeah. See you. See you at uh, Blue Cactus later. Yeah. See you at Blue Cactus. Bye. <laughs>